friends, friends, welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my high school friend who's seen so much in his short life he needs two fingers of scotch and co-host. <laughs> Alex, Alex Dandino, I'm smoking my, uh... Oh, there you go. My lip smacker. That's... That's sad. That's sad to watch you smoke. You didn't even like go. You were ready for the joke, but not enough to go get candy cigarettes. I'm so well, sad. <laughs> this was in my pocket. It's easier that way. Uh, <laughs> All right, guys, if you love the show and we hope you do, please take a second to leave us a rating and review, especially on Apple podcast app. That helps us out a lot. We've seen it. We appreciate it. Uh, and for those of you leaving the ratings and reviews, that warms our hearts every single time we see them. Uh, our most sincere uh, thanks to you. Uh, you can also see our faces along with hear our voices on our YouTube channel. That is Nerd Alchemist, plural, with an S at the end. Still working out details on a lot of new and other content yet to come. We're doing some trailer reactions, things like that. Uh, some list People love lists, so we're going to be doing all that. So follow us over at Nerd Alchemist uh, to join the fun. All right, guys, that's enough business uh, today. We are here. The pod is still on the case, right? This is the pod takes the case month. Uh, last week, delightful Lord of Illusions, Alex's new favorite movie. This week, Alex is throwing a brick in all of our faces. Stupid. <laughs> oh, come on, that was good. You fucking ruined it. Oh, my God. You're like uh, Malibu's Most Wanted, just popping hot over there. <laughs> all right, Alex, walk yeah. me through. Because Brick is one of those movies. Uh, it yes, has if it become, wasn't clear, we're doing Ryan Johnson's Brick from 2005. <laughs> uh, the pro segue should have made that. I mean, I guess it wasn't. as uh, Whatever. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> so here we are. Brick, right? So Brick has become a cult classic. It has. Uh, watching the movie through that prism, right? And the post Knives Out world was really fascinating to me. So let's. Why don't you walk me through? Uh why do you love this movie? I've always been not as all the way in as some people. You're one of the brick believers. You are one of the cult that has made this movie so popular. Walk me through why you love this movie so much and why we chose it. I mean, I come by it a little, honestly, like I liked, I've always liked detective stories. And I mm -hmm. think that that's where the first time I, I mean, obviously like I've watched Maltese Falcon, like a lot of these older, uh, uh, like Dashiell Hammett particularly is someone who's like this was particularly adapted from, so to speak. But um, I remember when this movie came out, like I was obsessed with finding it. We were in Muncie and I had a lot of trouble tracking it down. <laughs> Finally, I was able to grab like a copy of family video and it was like a big thing. Like me and one other guy on our floor who uh, was in the TCOM department, we were like, okay, we're going to sit down and fucking watch this movie. Um, I think the thing that I love the most about it, honestly, and this is like very film schooly, but like this is Ryan Johnson's first directing job. This is his first movie directed. He wrote this movie six years prior. He spent all this time trying to get financing for it. And like for me, it it teeters the line of like it could be so fucking gimmicky. Like to the point where you're like, <laughs> all right. Like, actually, it's funny. There's a movie that came out probably three years later called Assassination of a High School President, which follows kind of the same thing. It's a little more plucky. But, again, that to me is super – that's a very, very gimmicky movie. This really takes itself uh, seriously enough and doesn't fall into the traps of, like, high school um, so that yeah. you really kind of get drawn into the story itself altogether rather than focusing on the fact that these kids are like high school kids. Cause when you really think about it, like if you leave the movie and you're like, huh, all those kids are like, you know, 17, 16, 18 years old. Like, yeah, that's fucked up. But well, I was telling yeah. you, it's the thing that I absolutely cannot suffer this film. Right. Like I'll, I'll give you a lot of leeway for most movies for me. And I like the, you know, the script is fun. It's got kind of this, you know, quirky, old, old-timey, you know, way of talking. Um, the guy's trying to crack the case, whatever. All that's fine. I have never, for the life of me, been able to have anyone give me a good answer as to what them being high school students adds to this movie, right? And I know it's weird because everyone, when I say that, I'm like, 
this movie would be better if they were just 20 somethings that didn't go to school didn't go to college they're just like bumming around this town having the exact same problems right i think this movie's so much better because there are just moments that when the high school uh ness of it comes and just cold cocks you like a old white tank top over there i'm just like why i i've never to this day understood why that was an important part of this film and people always get mad at me but i have yet to hear a really convincing this is a better setting than if they were just five years older well if we're going to be completely honest like you were never going to be convinced of that anyway it's like like let's be like well, that i'm waiting for someone to honestly well, like no let's be totally straight up here you 1000 sure. percent. if someone came up with the perfect argument for you <laughs> you would never agree to it it doesn't matter because that's okay. what, that's the way you are this is the kind of movie that literally it's, spits wait, in the face that's of not jo- fair. josh griffey if you are if you were metagaming josh griffey yes if someone really got me like cornered bamboozled me and i was like fuck they got me the most josh griffey response is I will double down and, and yeah, defeat them. Exactly. But again, that does not change the point that would just, okay, let's do it this way. You tell me why you think them being in high school was a good choice. I don't really think of it as a good or bad choice, to be honest with you. Like it never was one of those things that I thought was like, oh good. It's set in high school. I was worried I wouldn't relate to it. Like to me, <laughs> like to me, if you're what, if you're like, if you're reading hard-boiled detective novels or if you're watching hard like if you're watching hard-boiled detective movies like you if you relate to them you got problems man like you have worse problems than anyone to me, in my opinion but like well, for sure to me that is not the point of setting it in high school like for it to be good or bad like it's an accent i would say like the choice to do it is twofold one from a budgetary perspective Ryan Johnson knew he could get San Clemente High School so if you can get a free location out of it or a cheap location, okay, okay. easy. But that's that's not the way – that's not how we normally look at these things on this show, right? Like, I understand there are, like, well, locations and whatever. What I'm saying is, well, as a narrative decision, right? Because this is a thing – there has to have been me. a really serious decision-making process as to why it matters that they're in high school. Well, I think that – let's see. I would say if I was – because I've – Honestly, I've read a lot about this movie. Like, I think it's a very right. interesting film, and I think there's a lot. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot. Of, I agree with all of that. There's a lot of really great iconography in the movie, and very like fascinating. Like, yeah. I've read a whole article one time about the shoe choice of each character. Like, it's a very like. I mean, like, it's that kind of shoe. <laughs> they spend a lot of time showing shoes in this movie, right. by the way. And it is. But we'll get to that. There's, there's, there's metaphors for it. But like, to <laughs> me, what I think is probably the most relevant reason why you'd set it in high school is simply the infrastructure that. The infrastructure that you're allowed in a high school setting is a little less volatile than, say, like, if you did this when people are in, like, the late 20s or early 30s, you'd be dealing with the cops nonstop. Like, that would be be the thing. The fact that we're not dealing – I was like, they're so lucky they're committing these these wars in a town that has no forensics because we just, like, casually throw in a – yeah, I'll hide this body in a tunnel. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> but this look, is this is what I mean, though, right? There the lack of police like, in this movie in this town is shocking. Yeah, well, just the fact that high schoolers are like, I gotta keep the bulls off me. I'll drag this corpse ten feet. That's what I mean. If if it was just people, you know, something like there are all these movies that exist in this kind of the the chaotic world, right? And this Alice in Wonderland effect of like once you hit these drug subworlds. They are living amongst us, but there is all this other shit happening. The, and I like the way you said it, right? High school should be the flavor of this. But I don't feel like this movie ever once utilizes the concept of high school because they never go to class. Yeah, you never see, see teacher. There's no clicks, right? Yeah, see, the only, it well, starts off a little what? bit, and you're like, ooh, no, there might that, be flavor. That is and like then they never, patently false. That, this movie, is, this movie is filled with archetypes from the from like – detective movies right. that work very fluidly with the archetypes we yeah. find in high school jocks that are in no so way bound so to the fact that their high school passed like a letter jacket that's what it's it's the one thing in this week i agree with you, everything you said i think this movie's fascinating i like the style it's got amazing pacing and tension building i love all of that right the high school decision though fucking but like when we break halfway through and he's in there just 
working a deal with the vice principal. I was like, what is happening in this film? When we had to stop because uh, the pin, his mom is asking what fucking juice they want. It kind of takes the piss out of the end of the movie when the 20 slim shadies are fucking up her living room. Because then I'm sitting there saying, what is this mom? Th-? She's just waking up like, oh, geez, what's happening? My, you know, she's just swinging that, I mean, uh, like- that cock jug of milk around. <laughs> like, it just is baffling to me why they d- made that choice. I mean, to me, it's not really that important, if I got to be honest with you. Like, I, again, like, I think it absolutely <laughs> is simply the flavor. It's the direction you want to take it. Like, to, for me what it is is writing something that you love in a familiar setting. Like that's what Ryan Johnson's really doing is if let's see, this was done right after he got out of film school. He wrote this immediately after he got out of film school. So that means his perception is college and high school. If you want to write a hard boiled detective story and you have absolutely no perception of anything beyond (laughs) you being like 24 and a jackass, of course you're going to look at the iconography and the the stereotypes and archetypes of high school and go, oh, yeah, these fit very nicely into like what I like about telling this particular story. So yeah. to me, it's not all that shocking that high school is used. I think if you go in your direction, yes, the very literal approach is pretty terrible. But I also don't think it's very distracting. Like, like for instance, the scene with Richard Roundtree where he's the vice principal, which you know, awesome, awesome it's a great cameo. scene. Yeah, but again. It's a great scene that is ludicrous to me. Okay, but you're thinking, I mean, I mean, again, this isn't like. That, but that's, they're making a choice that just pulls me out of the movie like every 15 minutes. And that's what, like, he literally, it's like, I remember that case with Jerry. He's like, you know, I've never been the same detective since that freshman year. The case of the swirly's gone awry. You know, I've never been the same man since the Lisa Frank Trapper Keepers you know, case of 1998. I mean, like it just, it's baffling to me. I get it. I've never figured that out because you're not. And I think that's my thing, right? Is that I wanted the high school to matter more or not be in it at all. I think that's the weird part is it just kind of exists in the background. Yes. That's like just to add confusion. No, it's not confusion. It adds structure to the fact that you can have, you have a presumed set, you know, where everyone's going to end up at the beginning and end of each day everyone's in high school so you know where these characters are going to live and breathe then when they're then when they move on we never see the classroom or the cafeteria like there are high school scenes that i i felt like could have been good settings for some of this you know what i mean it just it felt like just such a weird i don't know it's not a fish out of water it's like the fish in the desert like there's no water i wanted more water i it just doesn't bother me because i think it's it's a clever hook. Like otherwise it look in every other instance, again, assassination of a high school president is an amazing example. Assassination, assassination of a high school president is a very quirky, very goofy way to do it. Like if we're being completely honest, like the way that that's set up is set up exactly the same way. It's got voiceover. It's got the whole detective vibe. It's so corny because it is directly set in the school. Like if you're going to set it directly in the school, that provides you with a very limited set piece. If you're going to use the set of a, of a high school, especially San Clemente High School, by the way, which, again, yeah. if you grew up in the Midwest, you don't understand. Like, again, I when I moved out here, my little brother was going to high school, and I did not understand, like, how open these schools were. It's ins- it was insane to me. I'm like, kids just walk around outside? What the fuck's going on around here? Yeah. Like When I was in middle school in Florida, all of our classes were just in trailers outside of the building, and I just remember being like, I'm just allowed to walk out there and yeah. find my bananas. Way. People are like Absolute crawling bananas. under the trailers to like smoke joints and shit. And you're like, wow, yeah, this is exactly. Like that's exactly. But, no, like- but but this is it's just one of those. I can't remember a movie I love so much that just has this enormous fucking flaw that drives me insane. It's and not every a time, flaw. Like the further Stop away, I Stop calling it a flaw. It's a preference. No, no, no. A flaw to me. It's a flaw in my okay. opinion. Right. I'm not saying it's you know like the downfall of the film. Right. I'm just saying I can't remember any movie I like this much that has because I think it, this is what I'm saying. The longer I get away from the last time I've seen Brick, I love it more and more and more. And then I turn it on and I'm like, oh, yeah, like a vice. Like, there's just a Columbine kid running through a school with a knife. And I'm like, that's weird. But like, again, the fact that the cops is... have a problem tracking down a high school kid is right. weird. I like, can the fact tell you right now. Like, we're at my Polly went to house. school out here like <laughs> yeah. that kid. 
and I like, again, I speak only as someone who had a sibling do this. I, like he yeah. wasn't that kid, but I know for a fact that 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 Columbine kid with a knife running around school chasing people totally yeah. existed. Like that, I I've seen those kids at my little brother's high school. Like I know yeah. I know those kids. Like those yeah. kids didn't have a problem walking down the hallways. So like, and when he just wakes up in traction and they roll him out, they're like, oh. If only we could do something at this school about that. Like, right. I mean, again, like if you take or also, it, this is the, he keeps is, having to go back to his parents' house. Well, look, like if, the cops can't like track him down in homeroom. They can just be waiting at his mom and dad's. Right. But like, if you take it again, like this is the point of the, like the movie has to exist in a vacuum. Like the way you're thinking sure, about that's it. That's absolutely extrapolate true. that story out. Like this movie makes absolutely no fucking sense whatsoever. But right. if it exists in the vacuum simply of film noir, it 1,000% right. can work. And because you have to begin, you have to be willing to submit to the kind of lunacy of yeah. this world from the jump. If you don't get it or if you don't want to sure. get it, then it's terrible. Like It makes no sense. And, 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 abs- and absolutely, this movie did work. It has become a beloved cult classic. Sure. I myself really like this movie. I just hate that the movie is constantly pulling me way way out with the high school nonsense like I the mean, scene it, when the mom is sitting there and just in the house like that drove me bananas well, like it's, it's a high me, school it, the high school movies bother me in general sometimes like when you see high school parties and you're like no one's just like having like grand piano and poetry readings at high school parties and having two fingers of scotch so it's like i get i get the film noirness <laughs> I mean, of it right but that's like the but it's that's what film noir not, is like that's part of it Right, that's what film noir is. But my this is I won't drag this out for the whole pod, right? Because there's so many good things to talk about. But my thing is, if you're going to set it in high school, you're adding an intentional problem that we'll all have, which is high school kids are shit for brains. So like his like, oh, it's been a hard sophomore year. Like that's going to be a hard struggle for me. So make the high school matter. And my personal opinion is that the high school only creates problems. Which I, I that's what I mean. I'd like to see the like they're just twenty somethings shit kicking around personally. But now on to all the stuff that's not that because I think we just did a long riff on that. So I was kind of struck by how much Twin Peaks symmetry I found fa- or iconography I found in this movie. That's a big part of Ryan Johnson's inspiration for it. Yeah, that's man. Huge I really like that. That opening shot to have one more critique. The movie does one more thing I despise, which is show us the dead body and then say two days later. Cause I really like that scene. of just, he opens up and you just see this young, innocent looking Joseph Gordon Levitt staring at a dead body and the cutaways to like the different parts of the faceless teen. I thought was fucking awesome. Cause you're just setting the movie up right away. Like, Oh, this kid's life has fucking changed. Right. Like this kid is seeing the world as it truly is for the first time. Little did we know about, you know, the cafeteria case of, you know, sophomore year and how stressful that was on our scotch drinking lead (laughs) but i really love that opening i hate the cutting we talked about this hannibal does that like in season three where it's like here's the last thing of episode 10 enjoy the season it's interesting that you it's interesting that this is something you bring up because actually this is something that this has come up with ryan johnson before someone has asked him about like why would you put that title card oh okay yeah like why did you do that and he actually it's actually it's on it's on imdb if you want to look at it but so he he uh, he was asked by a critic who first saw the film at sundance he said why did you feel the need to like go back and add the flashback title card and he said Uh i finally come around to this and i think if i made the movie now i'd drop that two days previous and let the filmmaking tell the story but I do have one very strong case for it. There's an elegance and a cleverness to the flashback being told without the title. But just from a storytelling point of view, there's real value in knowing that when we hop back, it is only two days. Without that title, I agree that we'd all know that there's a flashback, but it could have been six minutes previous. I think the idea is, granted, look, I, I still I think, think he's defending the two-day title card, though, rather than showing right. the dead He's defending the two-day cut. Co- well, yeah. He's defending the title card. Is that not what you yeah. dislike? No, or? no, no. I don't care about the two. Day. I hate the time jump. I hate going backwards after you showed me what's at the end of this road. Because I feel like that moment, if we organically see him trying to track down this girl, and they have a lovely moment. This movie is full of just, and that's how I always know that there's a really good director, you know, on the rise, is he just nails those really great, you know, close-up emotion moments. 
And there's that great scene where you can tell she's trouble, but she's just like, dude, fucking drop it. I have to know you won't torture yourself. You know, let me go. Lovely moment. If the very next thing we see after that is him discovering her dead body, I think that has an enormous emotional impact above knowing that she was already going to die, right? And I'm sure that some people are like, oh, well, you know, it makes that moment extra tragic that you know how it ends. That's just not how I personally view. Like, I would have loved that moment to come organically and just be caught as off guard as uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, I mean, again, it's just not one of those things that I've, like, I've not spent that much time focusing on those. Like, I've just loved, I love that opening shot enough where it's a great great shot it's a great opener to a movie and again like yeah this to me is like when i watch this movie i see so many other detective stories i've watched there's so many movies that start like that like even like the first thing i thought of when i saw that i was like oh this is a lot this starts off like almost double indemnity like yeah already it's just exactly finding laura's body in twin peaks i was like ooh, that too like but like that's so that's the visual you get and then it has this very like it has this very original noir vibe where you get that kind of okay we're starting at where i think the end might be but really what you realize is we're starting at like i don't know 20 minutes into the movie essentially right so that's what i mean like i'm fine with that as the opening just don't take me back to the pre-stuff right just have him go shaking the trees from there. Sure. I'm fine with you. But yeah, that's what I mean. It was just a weird. I mean, I would even say like. Has, that's what, but that's what's cool, right? Is this movie has like four or five things that just are literal bees in my bonnet. That as I'm watching, I'm like. Arr. But then it's so fucking powerful. And it so fucking nails everything that is important. Yeah. That, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, you are right on that. Like it literally none of that bothers me by the end. Because I'm just glad I've watched Brick again. You know what right. I mean? So that that's like the case you need to make on all of it. It's like, well, you fucking like watching Brick. You've seen it a couple times. Like, right. they win. What I love is I love the total – I think this is a really underrated cast performance, right? Because I think the full commitment to the weirdness of this setup – again, I think you said it right. I mean, this is a razor's edge into just absolute, like, unwatchable. Oh, yeah. I mean, and they again, fucking pull it off amazingly. <laughs> I mean, I really, and you're right though. The reason it gets pulled off is because this cast is perfect. Like, this They're is one amazing. of the this is one of the most Every perfectly actor. cast movies. And like, by the Absolutely. way, everyone is over twenty in this movie. Every single person, and I'm never like, see, but I'm never tossed <laughs> to the point where I'm like, there's no way that like. Everyone is really 20 when they're doing high school fucking movies. Like, can't hardly wait. All of them are in. Can't hardly wait is shocking. All of them are really in their 30s when you think about it. But, like. Oh, well, when we were in our 30s, we were all just, like, balls of disgusting grease held together by pimples. Exactly. Like, and braces. That was, like, every kid in my high school. And you see these movies, you're like, what are these fucking Odonises? Like, get the fuck out of here. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, the guy. I'm with you That that. actor who plays Brad Bramish. (laughs) I can't ever remember his name. He's in The Family Stone, too. My wife loves that movie. But, like. Yeah. The guy who plays Brad Bramish, you're like, that guy is clearly 25 and, like, just loving yeah. life. But, again, yeah. because I'm already For drawn sure. into the story, and this is, like, the really deceptively great thing about Brick, is the story draws you in so quickly and you're so rapidly, mm-hmm. like, trying to catch up with the aesthetic and, like, the way people talk. Because there's a vernacular in this movie, man. Like, if you know you're what not- I noticed, too, this time? They slow roll the vernacular, right? So it doesn't get really, like kangaroo-ish until after the point in time where the movie starts, right? So the movie starts with her death, which in movie time is what, like 20 minutes in, you said? Roughly? After that, that's when he goes to the library and he's sitting there with uh, Q, you know, whatever California high school Q is. Brain. He's like, I need you to run ops, right? Like, you know, back in Nam, we need to run ops or whatever he's saying. After that scene, they go batshit crazy on the tile. I mean, that's like like After that point, they're like, now we got you. Let's fucking go. Yeah. I mean, and again, this is like, this is the great, this is the great thing about a director like Ryan Johnson is he's not going to just throw you in the deep end. He's going right. to like dip your toes in the shallow end yeah. and then literally like shove you as hard as possible, like down into the water. Like yeah. that's what's so good about it. So like, you know, it's going to be a little weird and a little hinky and you're going to have to get used to it. But like nothing about it is particularly difficult to understand because mm. He writes so well with contextual clues. You're not yeah. like, like again, like he does the same thing in Knives Out. Like, 
I think that Benoit Blanc's dialogue is most like weird, contrived, country fried weirdness. But <laughs> because of contextual clues and because if yeah. you've seen Agatha Christie novels made into movies, you understand what's going to go on. Like, you don't have to yeah. ask a question. It's the same thing with Brick. If you've ever read a single detective story ever, you know sure. probably what's going to happen. There's a yeah. femme fatale, which again, like, Nora Zahetner, who is um, the woman who plays Laura in this movie. She's... Or as my wife kept calling her, that's not Rachel Bilson. <laughs> <laughs> she's absolutely amazing. You know why? Oh, she's great. That whole scene. So, okay, the um, party, which, by the way, I read this uh, earlier today. That party apparently was th- that location was found the last day of scouting. And it was like some weird billionaire's house that was under construction. And he's like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Like, <laughs> so what are those, what are those, uh, coastal elites? Who's like, wait, you're going to fill my house up with partying teenagers. Yeah. So creepy. This movie. So I'll say this. I wanted to ask you a question though, before yeah. you dive in on the party. Yeah. When you watch this movie, do you watch it with, uh, the subtitles closed captioning? I have never, uh, no, I actually, not this time, no. I watch everything else with subtitles. I did not do it with this one. I will tell you, I can't remember the last time I watched a movie in my own home that was not closed captioned. This was the first time I was like, I feel like this is a really important crutch that I need. <laughs> you know, like this, the closed caption helped me a lot when right. I watched this movie. Because again, I think there are other moments that my brain's like kind of trying to pull out of yeah. the, the fantasy. And I don't get caught up on the weirdness of the language, right? And yeah. that I would say this. Next time you watch it, try the closed captions because it adds extra. It's like reading a really fun book while you're watching. That's right. just my thing. I, I was wondering if you watched it with closed captions. No, it's weird. It helped me out a lot. I really else, I really like it a lot. I own this DVD. So, like, I um, it's just not like all my other like all my other apps have closed captioning on them because I have a kid now. So like once oh yeah for those of you who don't well, have I'm a night owl, so it's show. like you know yeah. <laughs> you have to have because you're like I can't have the explosion shaking my child awake and then I'm in hell at like three in the morning right exactly but I still want to know what they're saying closed <laughs> captions like I mean like it's funny because I was I'm like I, I haven't gone in on the old man headset yet that was like the next two weeks movie. ago I saw like like Chris McQuarrie and a bunch of other people who were like anyone who does watches movies with captions is bullshit and I'm like. All right, dude. I have kids. I don't give a shit what you think. Like, yeah, well, I, he can come over and fucking wet nurse and night nurse my kid, and then right. I'll join your fucking film hipster club. So I'm so sick of these fucking film hipster dudes and their stupid ass opinions. So the so wait, does Chris McQuarrie also think that if you watch Parasite, that that's bullshit because you have to read while you watch it? I think Chris McQuarrie is also upset hipsters. that Brian Singer directed the movie he's best known for. So who knows? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I okay. That's one thing we can agree. on. <laughs> We'll plant our flag on that island together, Chris. <laughs> no. All right. So the party, right? The party. Okay. The party exists <laughs> solely in the world of film noir. Like, there's no other world. In Absolutely. The, like, this party doesn't exist in ever existed in high school. This is like the trendiest. This is like the theater kids throwing a like Halloween party. Like, that's like. Yeah. But also, I was a theater kid. That's not how our part. So was I. But every theater so kid I, is still is at the end of the day. Just like, how does this end in scoring? Right. <laughs> you know well, that's like the thing. Like, this is the theater kid. This is like the upscale theater kid who, like, I don't know, only reads like Bertolt Brecht. You know, this isn't for those oh, of us who like out. were in the chorus for like South Pacific or anything like that. This is- <laughs> the fucking plebs of the theater kids that we were that's the, down in the shallowest part of the cesspool right, right. that is. This the is for like this me. isn't this this isn't the chorus of West Side Story. This is for like the Tonys and Marias, you know, but yeah, right. But this is why, though. But I this- told you, I literally spit my coffee out laughing when Joseph Gordon Levitt walks into the room and he's just like, oh, fuck, I need two fingers of scotch. What a hard day of ball busting in Kim one. <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck is this movie? But that's it. one of those like high school kid things. I was just like, I have friends that pretend they love scotch. Oh, no. And I was like, I get it. A lot of grown <laughs> men, especially we do a lot of things that we think we should like. Cause it makes us manly, right? Like, Oh, well, I, you know, I chop trees down in the forest or play paintball or top golf. Look, right. I pretend to drink fucking scotch. As if it's not the worst alcohol that ever... Well, now I can know things about scotch and try to, you know, make you feel worse right. about yourself, I right? Mean, so that makes me cool. If this was but real high school... A high school kid is just like, I'll crush 
two fingers of scotch and he doesn't take a sip and go, what? I mean, if this was, real, was if this was real high laughing. school, Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt would walk and be like, bottle of Boone's Farm if you don't mind. Like, that's exactly right. what it was. Y'all got that Mad Dog? I had a hell of a day. Two fingers of Mad Dog 2020, please. Like, that's exactly, the green kind. That's exactly <laughs> oh, what this is. Oh, but, God, just the grape. But again, it has been that we week. Exist in the world where all these kids have watched Gilda and the Maltese Falcon, and they're like, great. So, like, like, like. Every single person at this party has seen Touch of Evil, and they're like, that movie is very interesting. Let's talk about it. Because- it's funny. I know that kid because he listens to our show. I'm not going to name him, but he'll know who he is. And he's friends with me on Letterboxd app, and every day he's like, five star for Duck Soup, five star for Shane and Giant. And I was like, hey, man, we get it. You're in film school. It's okay to just, you know, watch Howard the Duck once in a while. Like, bring it the fuck back. Chill out, dude. Like you're not gonna win the marathon. <laughs> I mean, again, this like this whole this whole party is just dripping with douchebaggery because, like, again, yeah. nobody is actually like that in high school. It's no more prevalent than when they center on like again. I, I, it's so corny, but I absolutely love like the push in. You center on Laura's, uh, Zora, uh, uh, Norza Hetner doing the- not Rachel Bilson, yeah. Doing yeah, not Rachel Bilson doing a spoken word ver- version of the fucking Mikado. I'm like, okay, we're just. I remember the first time I saw, I was like, why do I know that? And then I like looked it up. I'm like, oh god, for real? Like fucking Gilbert and Sullivan were just going for it. Like it's just the like, fact that you even know what that is. I I don't. I was a theater kid who doesn't know what the fuck the Mikado is. Ah, uh, my mom, you know, <laughs> I knew. Yeah. But that's like, but that's what it is. Like I, because I've heard that before. I'm like, oh fuck, am I that theater kid? Like that's the real problem there. <laughs> but that whole bit alone. But that again, <laughs> that party exists outside, like the high school. I like it exists within the high school sure. iconography. Sure. And then doesn't at all, at all. Right. But if because, you ask me, the one scene that does not matter at all that they're high school kids. That's the scene to me, other than the scotch. Sure. That's purely ludicrous. But that's that's what I mean. If the whole movie takes place in that gray area right there, that's fine, right? It's right. the scenes that are actually in school that drive me insane, right? School-adjacent stuff is what bothers me the most. The further they get from school, I'm able to just buy into what the movie's right. doing. I mean, And then me- all of a sudden, they're like, you know, they're back to the library, like, tell me not to do it. And some librarian, shh, tell me. Tell me not to take this case. You know I'm stubborn. She's like, God damn it. You know, I've been here since 7 a.m. having my call. Some old librarian is making minimum wage. Just Is there over there like, yeah, I found a dead body. No big deal. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that would have been the biggest thing ever that happened in my town. I remember this is a true thing that happened in my town. We had one dead body, I remember. And it's because this old grandpa shot his grandson. And his excuse to the cops is that he thought he was a deer. And this, like, is still something we talk about in my small hometown. Because, like, now ever now all the old ladies have Netflix and they're like, I swear to God, he did it. I know he did it. He know that boy won't know deal. <laughs> like, we still talk about that. Right. In this movie, they're just throwing dead bodies around like they're nothing. Oh, yeah. That whole... It's always weirded me out. And again, like, I, I like this when movie. When he moves the body... Yeah. That, it, it like actually took my breath away. I it's always something that I never quite understood as for like a plot point. Like to me, I've assumed it's because to me, I've always assumed it's because like to avoid the cops altogether. So like, well, he says if, he's like, I, I need the bulls off my back as if he's done this multiple times. Yeah. That moment, I, like the scotch is letting you know, this is not the first time this absurd behavior has happened. Because I, I was watching, I was just like, you got to be fucking... Because it, it, it actually hits you with a one-two punch of moments that you think are going to change the movie, right? Right. Because the first thing is he goes to bed and he has a, the dream detective moment where he sees it and sees... And I was like, holy fuck, he's a dream detective. And I was like, this movie just got fucking kick-ass. Like, now I get it. Of course he drinks scotch. He's a dream detective at 16. That's a hard life. So I was all the way in. And then they just cut to him finding the body and he's like, better play with it. <laughs> no, play is not the right word right but touch it in general disturb the body yeah it's He's weird fucking crazy i don't quite understand it it's not really something that i've i've never really like i again it's one of those things i'm like i'm assuming it's like i've always just shepherded sure. it away as like it's gotta be because the cop he says that specifically when he talks to uh specs or whatever the guy is brain 
yeah, library nerd. He's like, you know, oh, I need the bowls off my back for now. Right. But again, it's one of those things where like it, it's such a weird plot point. It still has never really sat right with me, to be honest with you. Like really all it does is give you a great like four way standoff, like at, mm. in the last half of the movie with like tug the pin, um, dode and him. Like, That's my favorite scene in the movie. When they're having the showdown right there, yeah. right? That is my favorite scene in the movie. It's, it's so fucking good. It's yes. great because... I, I it, love that moment, for sure. That moment, again, is like one of those great... I mean, my favorite scene in the movie is still... And I think it's the way it's paced. Because this, this movie, by the way, is impeccably paced. Like Absolutely. Especially for, for a first-time director. For a first-time director, like, again, we talk a lot about like great movies like Control... To have that amount of control over your product and over your actors and over what you want. And I think this goes to the credit. Also, I didn't know this before we watched this movie again, but uh, Brian Johnson was the editor for May, which was another movie we watched uh, for the pod. Another beloved film alchemist movie, Lucky McKee. Yeah, I, man. I had no idea he was the editor for the movie. And I realize now that I think back on like what I liked about May, the more... I think about it, the more I realize like the editing in this movie and may are very similar in that, like their pace is very specific and very, yeah. like very hyper it's this movie in particular is very like hyper real. Like that oh, scene, yeah. that scene in the uh, scene in the parking lot with him, between him and tug. Those are, that is like one of my Where tug th- just keeps fucking smacking him. Yeah. Which again, like <laughs> I, I've always tried to figure out why, like, Brendan, uh, Brendan's character get beat the shit. Like he's get the shit kicked out of him constantly. So I'm always yeah. trying to figure out what that is and why that's happening. Cause that is like something that's, well, very, then he starts like, getting the mystery, like sickness where he's like cough. I'm like, I get the fucking concussion and passing out the coughing. I felt like there was something they really wanted us to take away from the coughing. Me too. Yeah. And I didn't really, and understand I, th- I it. thought it was, he was just fucking gagging on like, all of the facts, right? Like his like oh, that's it reminded shit, me of yeah. that uh that Green Mile shit, right? Where John Coffey takes in all the bad he's like Bleh. Yeah, yeah. And he fucking sends the uh bees of evil out. God only knows where those things fucking pollinate. Of course it's the Stephen King universe, so probably everywhere. But that's right. where <laughs> But I was just like I thought he was just like gagging on all the bullshit and toxicity. I don't know. I didn't come away with a great take on that. I wish I would have. Yeah, I but, mean um, I think, I think take, that getting beat sense. up just is well, it's just the he, the willingness to fight. Right. I mean, I think that's right. Like he's willing to fucking stand there and get his ass beat to to solve this. Right. Thing. I mean, that's like the best part about the character in general is he is the blue. He's from this blueprint of like Marlowe and yeah. Sam Spade and all these great like Dashiell Hammett. Uh, um, like this, like obviously Marlowe's not Dashiell Hammett, but like um, the uh, great Harry Harry from Lord of Illusions, the greatest detectives. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's like, but that's exactly what it is, though. Like, you're taking the blueprint from really great detective ideas and you're making another character out of it, which is exactly what you should be doing when you're making something like this. It's supposed to be a pastiche on the genre when also trying to do its own thing. Wow, look at you. You are that theater kid. Look at what you're saying over there. Sorry. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you guys. I like when you just start getting all, like, smarmy on me. I'm like, whoo. Ooh, I feel the heat through the... No, just kidding. It's my Yankee candle. Yeah, it's it's the Yankee candle. Don't worry about it. But no, Um, there is a moment where you're watching him like, well, I better just stand here and let... And pray that Malibu's Most Wanted doesn't fucking run me over. And you're like, yeah, I I think a grown detective would do better. (laughs) I think he probably would have... should have just called the cops. (laughs) A grown detective probably would have called the police. like, hey, some guy's trying to run me over. Can we, like... Yeah, I think the cops would be able to handle this better than, uh, you know, chicken... And fighting the dumpster king or whatever they're doing. Like, there are better ways to handle this case. But I think that's what I do like about it is that it's the one thing that the high school does for me is that when you look at this movie as kids playing it adults, it works a little better. I think the end of the movie kind of deflates that theory of the movie because you're like, these stakes are fucking enormously serious. Like, people are dying. And then when they're just like, Casually, well, she's pregnant, so add a dead baby to the scoreboard. You know, I was like, oh, the cop car maneuver. <laughs> Shocking. You know, it's just like, you can't just be hanging dead babies on the board. Yeah. But <laughs> so the seriousness of it to me of, you know, dead junkie kid who's trying to get it together, 
you know, uh, dead girl and her baby, other kid in a coma. Like, this is way too serious for the, oh, they're just kids playing at the heavy, right? Like, right. the pen is literally wearing a cape, has a duck cane, and in his shag carpet van just has, like, a lamp, like okay. a plug-in lamp. I really think this is, like, production design of this movie is so important because that <laughs> lamp is everywhere when it comes to the pen. Like, Is it he, really? It's he in carries the, that lamp around? Well, it's in the it's in the van, it's in the mom okay. it's in the it's in the mom van, and then um, <laughs> it's also downstairs in his like little uh, office, like yeah. that. Like again, maybe like, he got a set. They were like nightstand lamps. But that's what it is. Like I, I that's a really important aspect of this movie is like the artifacts you find from each character. Like everyone has their thing they do every time. Like. Every time Brendan's about to get into a fight, he takes his glasses off, puts them in the little thing. But that's like, those are like these little touches of high school that, because like, you know, kids in high school, they all had little, like, I, I didn't have glasses, but all my friends with glasses had a place to put them pr- safely. Like all these little, all these little bits, Brad Bramish, every time he's around, he bitches about not being put in the game. And then Tug wears, Tug looks like Slim Shady all the time, no yeah. matter what. Doesn't matter yeah. what he's wearing. Slim Shady. That's like when we first meet, I was just like, is the mom never like, uh, Penny, come here, Penny. Who are all of these shadies in our basement? <laughs> Not so slim. I'm scared. Help me. <laughs> like, don't break the rooster jug. <laughs> like, I think that's like so baffling. Yeah. That's... But there is a way where you're just like that in the banks. He's like, I'll hire you. I'll pay all this money. They're doing massive drug deals. Yeah. Like even when he takes him into the pen's office, right? There is kind of looking at it's like, oh, this is what this child thinks will look cool and impressive, right? To another child who's like playing at detective and drinking scotch all the time, right? Well, and skipping homeroom. You know what's interesting you know what I mean? is they lift the veil on that in the like they lift the veil on that right after that scene where he hires him, where they're walking on the beach and he actually like talks about reading Tolkien. I yeah. remember, I remember always thinking that was oh, such a weird, awesome, awesome. Moment. It was such a weird beat, and I'm like, oh no, this is like where he's supposed to be like. You re- this is where you have to remember to remind yourself that he's not like a full gr- like an old adult drug dealer. He's like yeah. I don't know twenty. He's not Pablo Escobar. No, he's a fucking child. He's just some fucking you know? nerd who like got a yeah. sweet a sweet rock. You know, it's pretty much yeah. It. He just found out like oh I'm drug dealing now. Like that's cool. I'm drug dealing. I'll just right? wear a cape. You it's know, fine. Tug already has the tank tops and likes hanging out in my mom's kitchen. So I'll we're just, a gang now. Let's I'll just go. Wear a cape and have a faux hawk. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, again, I think there's that kind of fantastic journey through the the tumult of high school, right? Like, yeah. I understand that part of the movie. Again, I just think it doesn't quite click with how insanely dire everything comes by the end, right? Well, like... Because that's the thing we don't know, but at the end of that movie, I'm led to believe... I was like, there's probably at least another, like, six dead people. I see. Like, the so. Slim Shadies are fighting, like, the white tank tops and... Uh, whoever's over at the pen's house, it seems like Tug might have bashed the pen's head all the fucking way in. The cops shoot and murder Tug. Yep. So you're like, there could be a lot more dead teens. Like, this is like a lot more die. And maybe that's the point, right? Is that these kids are playing at larger things and keeping the adults out of the room. Right. Except for Richard Roundtree, who should be a better adult. You but know like, what I mean? That's, and that's that, that me maybe like... that's the, the direness of the consequences is hammering right. home that. That dichotomy. Well, and I think that's what it is. Like, that's where the accent of the movie comes in and we really have to commit to it. Like, because Ryan Johnson does a great job of committing to the premise. Because if you just committed to, like, actually, uh, there are scenes of him in class. Like, they shot scenes of him in school. And oh, I'm, I'm assuming they did. Yeah. They I remember like I was listening because, again, I have the DVD. I've watched all the special features because I'm a huge fucking nerd. Um, but I've. Like he said, like the problem with it is it really a it killed the momentum of the movie, but also you start asking yourself those questions way too early in the movie. It's like, where are all the parents and adults in this thing? Like, <laughs> right. like instead of like focusing on like the cool aesthetics, you're like, man, where are the the adults should be in the room. This is insane. Yeah, that's why I was like, at least say it's spring break or something, so it makes sense that no one's around. <laughs> Like, I was like, come on. There's like at least five better way. Never mind. I'm not relitigating but, that. But that but I know that people Richard, love the high schoolness of it, too. It's just me. I mean, it's like it is Richard Rountree's like, like, you've been playing it fast and loose with me for a long time, son. It's like, that's your fault. 
that's, that's your one of my fault. that is one of my all time favorite scenes in the movie. Simply, I because, love that like, scene too. I love that scene because it's so it the hyper realism is so ridiculous because simply because of this. Imagine being that kid. I, I think about like my high school. Like if I was that kid who got brought in and like tried to be all smarmy with the principal and be like, if you need me, you come up with a better excuse than detention. I'll see you at parent-teacher conferences. Yeah. Like, if that was me, like, I feel like my prince would be like, listen, I don't hit kids. So I'm going to beat the shit out of you right now. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that, oh, for sure. <laughs> he literally walks into the vice principal's office. He's like, and you made me miss chocolate milk so you could suck my dick. <laughs> and the principal's just like, hey, hey, calm down. We got cases to crack. You're like, Jesus Christ. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, per- my that's the perfect My freshman year scene. of high school, the vice principal at my school, this is no joke, actually carried around a paddle with holes he had drilled in it so he could get extra speed when beating students and had a fucking pet monkey that wore a diaper and like was on a leash with him. He would like bring it to basketball games and he's like, aren't I cool? And you're like, no, you lost me at the, uh, <laughs> you lost me at the paddle, but now I'm like very concerned you have an MO, right? Like he had a Dexter room <laughs> you know, and like one of those parent teacher rooms. You know, it's funny. The only time I ever saw a corporal punishment, um, instruments was in elementary school in indiana like my you never got smacked by a teacher nah oh uh, I, I used to get the smack in the back of the head all the fucking time there was a high school teacher who but if i that, ever went I home to my mom and dad and was like hey the teacher smacked me well what were you doing oh yeah oh, you know the the usual like fart gags and you know comedy my dad would have hit me again my pa- <laughs> that's the world we lived in my parents would say i don't condone that but you probably deserved it and i'm like yeah. cool thank you very much like that's like that Me would- in third grade needed scotch as much as joseph gordon levin's high school character that's how hardcore it was in indiana yeah i mean i think that i think overall this movie just does such a good job of committing to the premise and like it's it's impeccably written. And yeah, like you could, I think what's cool is like you could remake this movie for college era or beyond college, anything like that. Like this movie exists simply in the iconography of film noir. So really yeah. you can adapt it and change it any way you want. The story yeah. remains the same. You just change right. the setting. Like that's it's a, the, it's that's a true very power. good unspooling mystery, right? Yes. And no matter what age they are, where you set that, that always plays. Totally. Like the thing I love this in this movie so much, my favorite thing probably, is just the amount of really cool clues, right? Like, I'm a sucker for finding the clues. Yeah. And it has this this really fun, like, leaping from clue to clue momentum to where by the end of the movie, even when they're doing the, the classic, I'm sure if Ryan Johnson could pull one thing back, it would actually be this, where at the end, the mystery is so convoluted Right. And how it played out that he just goes, Joseph Gordon Levitt looks at uh, not Rachel Bielsen and goes, you want me to spill it out for you? And she goes, yes. And I was like, she's the fucking mouthpiece of the entire audience. So I was like, why was that actor girl who was painting her face like she was a replicant? uh, So excited because I have no idea what she did in this movie. Right. Like I had no idea. And he lays it out. and You're like, oh, fuck. There was so much more going on that. I had no idea was a part of this, you know, and that was really cool. I, I bet he would have done that differently if he could. You know what's funny? But to- it just is a good story. I totally forgot about Megan Good in this movie, who's just like has some of the slickest lines the whole bit. Oh, she's awesome! Like she's just on fire, dude. Everyone's really good, but like again, but my thing is, is you don't need her and not Rachel Bilson. I would have just had her do all the scenes. Well it's it's iconography like that's what film noir stuff is like rachel bilson not rachel bilson is the but, uh, what <laughs> is that just what we're gonna call her i'm doing that because i can't remember her name. but this is what i mean her name not is rachel bilson has no high school archetype right like you could just say no, no, no. the actress She's... character is also rich and that's your that covers all your basis you see... don't need the two characters but see, she's not supposed to be a high school archetype. She's the femme fatale. Like, she's the movie archetype. All these characters are movie archetypes. But so who that- is the most seductive de- delivering their dialogue in this whole movie? It's the actress. She is so good. Every scene with her where she's in her makeup room. Megan Good? Is just, like, yeah, you're, like, her words are just, like, dripping out of her mouth like a fine honey. Well, Megan Good, to me, is that Peter Laurie character. Like, that's always my favorite. Like, because Peter Laurie. Would- the fucking freak? Oh, Peter yeah. Laurie's the dumpster king. 
But that's uh, that's why this is so good. Like you only find Megan Good in one setting during the movie. She's never anywhere else. You only yeah. find her in the theater department. You only find her with the little scabs. Like she's <laughs> she's like the fucking queen pin, you know? Like that is like a really that's a really important aspect of the storytelling is right. that she's not a femme fatale. She's just she's a boss. She she's is not a fucking Peter Laurie though. I will stake my flag in that if I've lost every argument on this pod to the listeners, I refuse to lose that I'm one. I'm not saying she looks like Peter Laurie. I'm saying no, no, no. she's I'm saying a she Peter Laurie character. She's not the fucking toady. The dumpster king is Peter Laurie. That's the toady. Yes. But. Okay. I won one. If the gonna... audience will hate me for everything else I've said, but I'll win that one, damn it. <laughs> Either way, she plays a very important role of being like the funneling of information. Again, like everything about hard-boiled detective stories is about the funneling of information and where it comes from so like let me let me pause you there for a sec because that's exactly i think you're right on with that right it is funneling information by the end of the movie are we convinced that she has any fucking idea what she was a part of who uh not not rachel bilson no, uh, the the replicant actress. Oh, Megan Good. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know names. God damn it, I don't know names. But this is so the only thing she did. Like she's got a card to play, the junkie. And then after a while, you're like, no, the junkie played himself because he watched you playing with the corpse. So at the I... end of the movie, I was like, what did what's her name? Megan Good. What yeah. did she actually know and or do? I mean, I don't I think... think if you just she's just a pawn. Like that's what she is. Yeah. Like, but she, her deliverance was like, I am with you. She was the queen bee. Like yeah. I would, any more scenes with her would have been welcome. Oh yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. I mean, again, she every was. time, and again, like she's, you know, it's funny too. I realize now she's getting ready to put on the Mikado. God, this is really nerdy. Um. Anyways, but no, she is like a really important piece of the puzzle, but she's just a pawn. She's the pawn and she's the way in which information gets disseminated a lot for a lot of the movie. Like, Brendan goes to her for a lot of information rather than going anywhere else. He knows he can go to her because she's got her. She's got a she's like, um, I mean, but she really, never tells him anything. Well, she tells him like riddles. She's like, uh, like she, her playing her ace already would happen because Peter Laurie dumpster King had already disseminated a kid into the corpse. But you know she, what I mean? like, there's no information that needs disseminating. Well, it's I don't know. I mean, again, she works. Gotcha. She works in that. Gotcha, bitch. Fucking sir. trapped you. Trapped me in what? You got caught in the steel trap locker that is my <laughs> my noir. <laughs> she provides him for. She provides information. <laughs> she provides the sounding board you need in the movie, because Norza Hetner I, is not going to do that. Norza Hetner's the femme fatale. She serves the purpose of a being the person that Brendan slowly but surely falls in love with and then at the end like they get to have the like that that bit at the end and on the football field is like one of my all-time favorite tropes in any of these fucking film noir movies is like the unraveling sure. of the, the the tale yeah oh my god dude i just didn't i just didn't feel like i think they were kind of too they were pulling because i think the only reason you need that last speech right with joseph gordon levitt is because it is not clear enough to us what her trick is right and i think if you just kind of merge those two and you can tell the whole time she's pulling information back but like i mean i i like the the twist that she's in on it. i kind of figured one of them had to be right yeah because the first time you watch it when she starts petting his hair and it's my favorite uh levitt scene in the movie is when he actually has the first emotional breakdown right mm -hmm. he's like mind freaking yeah. imagine her down at that like uh yeah, no, 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 no. He sees her at the tunnel. Yeah. And he's like, oh, fuck, I'm a mind detective. I forgot how hard this would be. And he starts breaking down and actually weeping. And she's just kind of gently like, hey, don't feel emotions. Let's make it out. Right. And I was like, oh, this lady. I was like, that's not okay. I knew she was trouble. Oh, yeah. I mean, I everybody knew. knows. She's not the kind of girl you would bring home to your mother who has, you know, her milk in a cock jug and serves you cookies with your thug friends. Again, you know she's trouble from the jump because she's got that spiffy car and she's willing to give out. She's willing to talk. Anyone that's ever willing to talk is a problem. She's a Barbara Stanwyck, man. She's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that. I. That's what I mean, though. This movie, it's fascinating to me because if you hadn't made us watch over this, I really don't know when the next time I would have watched this is. Because I think a lot of these detective tales, you get it once and you're like, Got it. Mystery solved. And right. you don't really want to revisit it all the right. time. And I just can't remember a movie that I like so much, right? Like, my love for this movie is very high. 
But there are at least like four or five things that fucking drive me insane the whole time I watch it. Right. And I think that's I think what it is, is it like Ryan Johnson is kind of at the high school kid phase of his career at this point. Right. He's a little raw. He's very emotionally has a lot to say, but like maybe not enough experience yeah. to say it in the way you want. Right. And that's what that's what is fascinating is that despite all of these things, like if there was another movie that did this right where it's like. Oh, it's so serious. There's a dead body and she's got a baby in her. But I have, you know, geometry in five minutes. I would walk the fuck out of the theater. 100%. But you never do in this movie because it's so, it's just so much talent being poured through the screen at you. It's con- I, I think, and that's what I mean. A lot of people are going to be like, you're fucking, you know, taking shots, blah, blah, blah. I, I'm actually, I'm voicing my critiques because that one, I always tell you exactly how I really feel about a movie. And two, I think it's actually a testament to how fucking much this movie still achieved to me. I think, yeah, I mean, I think the thing that makes Brick different than, I think the thing that makes Brick one of the great film noirs, like one of the great detective stories, and this is why you always think about like, because for me, like film noir particularly is this awesome genre of movies where like for a long time, like, I don't know if people realize this, like they were the, always the B movies. Like, because they'd always have an A and B feature when you go to theaters, so you'd always go for the double feature. This would always be the B feature because they were cheap to make, and uh, you could make them a little more lurid. They obviously aren't going to make, like, draw the crowd, but... B for budget, baby. Right. And this is a great example (laughs) of what you can do with a great story. It's a great whodunit. Even though you kind of know someone done it, but... But that's yeah. like the thing that's so. I'll crazy. tell you who done it. Fucking negligent parents. <laughs> yes, the negligent parents are adults done it. <laughs> the parents of San Clemente, California, are one thousand percent to blame for the problems of the film Brick. But I yeah. truly, they're love worse this movie. than all of the adults in Lost Boys. <laughs> so bad the parents. Are I truly this. love this movie because of what it achieves, yeah. which is, um, <laughs> it's such a wonderful pastiche on a genre, and it takes it to another level simply by knowing the kind of movie it's going to be. And Ryan Johnson exhibits such amazing control over what could be the most washed out, terrible premise of a movie ever. And instead it takes itself just seriously enough where you can really enjoy it for what it is rather than, rather than like just be like caught up in like the wording of the way, the way things, the way people talk or anything like that. It's just that much fun and that great, that, that level of greatness. And it's really fun, too, now to see, like, the fully polished powerhouse, big-budget detective tale, right, that Ryan Johnson's done. Oh, it's amazing. To go back and see this kind of, like, and that's what I always think people like in noir detectives. They're just kind of these guys who got the shit kicked out of them by life, but they're still fighting, right? Totally. And noir detectives are always kind of punching up, and we like that, man. We, we'll always like that story, and that is very much how high school kids are, and, and that's what I think is cool, right, is that... This movie is still beloved, but it has a lot of rough edges. And I think a lot of times when we find those movies, we actually pull them in a little closer than when you just see like, well, that was a, you know, like I saw that murder on the Orient Express or whatever, the new one. And you're like, wow, everything is done to technical perfection. But I just was left like, where's the magic? Yeah, where's exactly. the fucking magic? That's the alchemy. Where's the right magic? There. Yeah. In this movie, uh, you know, there are ingredients that I might turn a nose up at. Loaded with magic. All right, guys, that's it for Brick. Uh, I hope you loved it as much as we did, man. Uh, Give us your thoughts. What do you think on this? Tell me I won all of the arguments against Alex. (laughs) Don't waste your time. I already know I did. (laughs) As always, wherever you find the pod, (laughs) leave us a rating and review. It means the world to us. You can also uh, look at our faces if you want to see the faces to these sultry-ass voices. Uh, on YouTube, that's Nerd Alchemist, plural, with an S at the end. Uh, get at us on social media, guys. Uh, at Film Alchemist, number one on Twitter. Uh, we love talking to you guys, hearing the movies you want to hear us talk about. Uh, if you give us a suggestion, we always do our best to try to get to it. Uh, so hit us up, guys. Uh, what's coming up next, Alex? We got two left. Well, I think it's. I think we need to save the golden child for last. Like the best for last. Best for right? last. That's a good rule in life. Yeah. So we'll get that. Uh, we'll get that polished turd that is Zodiac out of the way. Fuck you. <laughs> Everyone knows that Eddie Murphy's the golden child. Uh, beats up Zodiac like it's a crippled kid with a duck cane. That was kind of a tortured, labored analogy to this movie. But Oof, that was bad. 
<laughs> All right. Next week, the pot's still on the case. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs>